What's going on, y'all? Welcome into another episode of Cast the Podcast with Ronnie Moore, and I've got my mainstay guest. We might as well just rename this whole deal Cast the Podcast with Ronnie Moore and Kyle Jesse because my man Kyle jumps on here every time to do an episode, and we left y'all hanging after Neely Henry. It was a real busy week. We wanted to, obviously, the tournament was delayed once again and postponed until ending on Monday. Tuesday was hectic, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Basically, my computer was unavailable to do a little Zoom call podcast with Kyle because we were exporting so many videos to recap Neely Henry and try to get done with that event. It's been a tight, tight schedule, and you can speak to that, Kyle. You were at the Smith Lake College event uh, in the off week. We also had opens, and so it has been very crazy. And to put it in perspective, uh, we have basically had two full Bassmaster seasons in one calendar year. The world shut down. In 2020, after we had one Elite Series event and the Classic in the books, and from June to November, we did every Open and every Elite and every college event possible. We had two measly months to try to get recapped and prepared for the next season, and then we have knocked out three quarters of our season from February to about June when we knock out the Classic. There'll be just a little bit of the season left. So two full seasons in one calendar year. I'm dragging a little bit. I have to admit, I'm, I'm a little tired. I'm feeling real old this year. And even though I'm 27, I'm feeling real old. So you've been on the road for a lot of these things. And uh, I know that it's been a lot of awesome moments, but it's also been a lot behind the scenes to get everything going in the right direction. Yeah, as fun as it, uh, as it is, you know, I, I, I've always thought this to be so funny. It's like, you know, Bass being located in, you know, central northern Alabama and then obviously JM and Little Rock. And it just seems like at the snap of the fingers, like an event's just going on. But there's so much that has to happen before that event for it to like, you know, to, for the magic to happen. And uh, and yeah, like you said, a lot of traveling, a lot of uh, waking up early. I was we were just talking about it off uh, offline. Is I'm I'm gonna be getting up super super early tomorrow, like three in the morning, to drive to Gunnersville. And like you said, it's uh we love it. It's the best thing ever. But yeah, like you said, this the last few weeks have been a uh, have been more or less the gauntlet of the season with elite series tournaments every other week. And then when there's not an elite series tournament, like you said, we're covering an open covering a college tournament. It's always something, but, uh, but yeah, it'll, it'll slow up here a little bit here in a couple weeks. Yeah. We have the light at the end of the tunnel for this gauntlet of events and then we'll get prepared. It's weird. We're in May. We're going to have one more elite series event. And then in the middle of June, we're going to have the Bassmaster classic. So we're excited about that. Um, but in this episode of the podcast, we're going to uh, talk about Neely Henry real quick. We're going to talk about that for a few minutes and recap that event, what we saw go down, and some insight that you can provide as well. And then we will preview and do our picks for Lake Gunnersville, the seventh stop of the 2021 Bassmaster Elite Series season. And to be honest, man, I am beat down, not only physically and I'm exhausted, but just talk about popping my balloon for fantasy fishing for Neely Henry. It's just, I always have that one brutal pick. And normally I'm kind of bailed out a little bit with a couple high echelon picks, you know, in the top 15, top 20. And I can reel off two or three of those, make up for my 80th placed performer. But that was not the case for Neely Henry for me. I basically had all of my anglers from 39th to 51st and then I had one in the 70s and so I had four of my anglers in a 12 spot stretch there right above and below the cut 
and then I had one below the cut. So I never had a really great, great performer. But for Drain the Lake, I am doing fantastic overall. I've picked a winner, which you get bonus points for. You double your points for Drain the Lake. If you pick the winner, you triple them for the classic if you pick the winner. And I've picked the winner both events, Lee Livesey and Wes Logan, obviously. It didn't go out on a limb there. Two locals to get it done and win. And before I jump into Neely Henry specifics, I, I kind of talked about it with you on the phone, but and I and I know I tweeted about it, but 2021, a lot of different weather has happened, a lot of different crazy things, you know, fog delays, postponement, high water, cold, cold temperatures, uh, kind of extremes, talking about long runs or situations, giant bags of fish on the final day, different things like that. And that storm has kind of allowed a trend that normally never happens to really be a thing this year with locals. Normally locals have a hard time closing the deal and having a, a win or a great finish. Normally we'll see them get in the top 20 or 25 and they're like, well, hey, I at least showed out to a certain extent on my home lake. But going back, I'm trying to do this off memory. Cliff Prince, the local to the St. John's, seventh place in the first Elite Series event. Brandon Card, we may have deemed other people as Tennessee anglers because Brandon Card is listed as North Carolina, but he has grown up in Tennessee his whole life, lived in Knoxville, whereas other guys who are in Tennessee have lived closer to Gunnersville, closer to Chicka, uh, Chickamauga, closer to Douglas and Cherokee, and they didn't really traverse the Tennessee River for Fort Loud and Teleco, whereas Brandon Card did. He got fourth in that event, so we have a seventh. We have a fourth. There's a giant spider on my wall right there that just came out from behind my poster. So if I get up, you know why. So we've got a seventh and a fourth. Then we have Pickwick. Yes, Justin Atkins, the local top echelon, struggled, but Brock Mosley from Mississippi, his only real tournament lake that he had a lot of really knowledge with growing up was Pickwick. He finished second there. Then we go to the Sabine River, and honestly – we're going to say Lee Livesey, but that's because he spent so much time on the Sabine River hunting and, and he knows how to navigate it. And so there's a local flair to that, knowing where to go and when to, when to fish this area, when to go to that region. And, uh, and he was in the top 10 there. And then we go to um, from the Sabine to Lake Fork. Lee Livesey taking the win there. And then we go to Neely Henry, West Logan taking the win there. And in each circumstance, we had a local angler that really struggled as well. Combs made the cut at Fork, but it was low. He was really inconsistent. Hackney missed the cut at the Sabine. He's not a local, but he has winning history and he's from the state or, or he lives in the state. Uh, and I'm trying to go through the other ones. Canterbury struggled at Neely Henry uh, and, and turned it around and then was late. So it's nullified his, his comeback. Uh, Atkins at Pickwick, uh, for Knoxville, we can say a Skylar Ham or not a Skylar Hamilton. Um, there was somebody else who struggled pretty bad in Knoxville, Tennessee Lake. And then, um, Florida, John Cox barely made the cut there. A lot of different things happen. That's that's, but this year's crazy storm of events and water conditions have allowed some of those locals to really excel, especially in the spring where it's normally even playing field because big fish are biting everywhere. The extreme situations have really helped the locals more than hurt the locals, at least at the top end. So uh, at Neely though, you're learning about the Coosa river. You don't live too far from there. One of those Coosa river lakes is your home lake, lay lake and, uh, or now your home lake. And Neely was interesting, really high up the river, really low down Lake 
And I know you probably have some more intel about that from, from just talking to Wes Logan and, and whatnot in prior conversations. Yeah, it, uh, it was so bizarre. And it was, it was a tournament that I ended up not going to. I know we had, we had previously said I was going to go to it, but I ended up not. And I really wish I would have been able to see it in person because it was so fascinating that you could, you could be, you know, in the river from takeoff, basically up the river, you know, further and it'd be heavy, heavy current, high water, um, you know, and a lot of the damage, obviously we saw done in that, that area really close to takeoff, especially in the last day. Um, but like you said, for it to be so high and so much current up the river and then you go down like and it's like they're in a drought it's just such a unique circumstance and like you said it, you know it fits right with the theme of the season at least majority of the tournaments with the extreme conditions you know and and I actually uh not even <clears throat> me talking to Wes but hearing Wes in an interview this morning say like he didn't realize how much of a local advantage he was going to have even after those conditions were the case until he realized like he just started getting like a, you know, a feeling basically to, you know, pull in here to do that, to do this as we're a lot of guys, you know, we're probably so lost just because just like the Pickwick tournament, just like, you know, some of the other events, by the time these guys went out for the first day, it was a completely different fishery. It wasn't even remotely the same. I mean, they had to scrap it from nothing as where, you know, Wes had the ability to, you know, think in his head, if he could get a bite doing one thing, think about all the other areas, little stretches. And I heard him talk about it today, like little two, 20 yard stretches that he felt like he needed to go run. Um, you know, and like you said, it fits right with the theme of the season with the extreme conditions and, and uh, you know, I don't want to say I called it, but uh, definitely, you know, kind of called it. Uh, as far as Wes. Well, it's in a year that as a fan you want to see. I want to see these pros with no practice. Well, we gave them practice. We've given them practice, but we might as well have not given them practice. And uh, basically just fun fishing. Yeah, they're basically just trying to either not get shocked by lightning or they're trying to just figure it out. And so that's honestly been the adaptation. And so we've seen some really cool moments come from that and some uncertainty, guys not knowing if they're going to catch one the next day or where they're going to get their next bite. And so we talked about that local deal and, and I just stayed away from 50% pickage of, of Canterbury. Cause I'm like, man, this isn't a time that it could just be lights out for someone. And, and then I also said to give myself a little bit of credit there, I did say that we would see some, some leaders and some guys really factor away from Gadsden and then by the end of the event, we would see a lot of guys fishing Gadsden, not for necessarily retread specifically, because we take the live release boat out and disperse them throughout the river as best as we can. But there are some dump locations that are unknown to the anglers, but you're not going to drive to the dam and drop them off. You're going to drive, you're going to drop them off on the way somewhere. So I did think that there would be some people who would find some fish to excel early in the event elsewhere, but by the week's end, the current the stability and the grass in that Gadsden region would prevail. And that's what it ended up doing. We saw some highlights of some guys, you know, Matt Airy made a big run uh, on the final day from 10th to 5th and caught a couple key fish in that area. You had Swindle, Christie, and Logan all do that as well. And then you had uh, a Bob Downey really excel for a couple days in that region. It kind of fizzle, fizzled out on the final day, but it fizzled out for him because he didn't go back to one of the stretches or he did just at the wrong time. And Swindle was on one of the stretches that he had fished. 
because they had all switched and shared water, but they timed it upright and Swindle got on the right stretch at the right time and had that great morning. And Christie said it at the way and he started on the stretch. I wanted to start on. And so it was, it was very funny to see that play out the way it did. And Paul Mueller, if you're going to survive in an area on Neely Henry and have a shot to win and not be in Gadsden at all, you got to catch a giant. He caught a six, six on the final day. Uh, and then had, a, uh, had plenty of threes throughout the week on his crankbait for sure. So it was a very interesting event. Um, the cut weight was much higher than people expected. I remember people saying 14 pounds for two days will get you paid. 14 pounds for two days got you 75th or something. You weren't even close. So you had to have that nine and a half pounds a day. You double that. It's basically 19, 10, 19 pounds, two ounces. And that is what Jake Whitaker had 47th place out of a possible 48 to make the cut. So basically everyone that made the cut doubled the cut line it just slightly went down for 48th place dale hightower so very very interesting how it played at neely and did you learn anything as a viewer now knowing the coosa river a little bit getting a taste of it and now knowing you can explore neely henry did you kind of understand a little bit more about the coosa river and uh and how it functions especially that minnesota bend region on neely which is so unique to to very few places in the country well, I was going to say one thing that uh, I, it's not even necessarily that I've learned, but kind of, I guess, is the fact that um, so just like as a, a fisherman, it, it's really easy to not want to sit out there and fight the current and deal with the the uh, the struggles that come with it. But like, I mean, that, that's just what gets those fish to bite. I mean, the, uh, you know, that's just kind of the whole Coosa River as it is naturally when there's water running when the current is going that's when those fish bite and you know watching some of those guys fish as far as boat control goes as far as you know like i said really just having to battle with the struggles of being in that current it's kind of a pain but it's also like it's what you have to do it's what you you know you need to do and it was kind of the same way at pickwick when i was when i was on the water covering it and you know this to be true having you know shot photos by yourself on a boat running the troll motor against current and trying to shoot photos at the same time is like nearly impossible. And the whole tournament I was, when I was covering Brock Mosley, I was like, I wouldn't even want to fish like this because it's so much effort and so much of a struggle just to keep your boat where it needs to be. You get a bite and your boat veers off to the left. And by the time you get the fish in, you could literally be 200 yards down the bank because it's just that strong. But I will say that much, you know, the river, the river bite and, and that's, like I said, on really any Coosa River Lake, uh, whether it be Neely, Lay, that's one thing that I have not tapped into a whole lot that I, I just know I need to. And my thing is with that is like, uh, it's like seasonal based. You know, I, I'm trying to figure out timing wise, like when, you know, running up the river is like the deal. And then when it's like, you know, just something to get some bites, because there's definitely like, from what I can tell, there's like times of the year where it's more practical to be up in the current. And there's times where it's much more practical to be in the lake part of the, um, you know, of Neely Henry or Lay or wherever it may be. Um, so there's definitely a lot to learn, I think, you know, really for anybody, but especially, you know, somebody that's around Alabama, around the Coosa River, I think you, uh, you know, we talked about it before the term even happened. That's the kind of thing that as viewers, we should love. And I know I do, I know you do, because if everything's just perfect, like Lake Fork was fun to watch and watching those guys just crush them. But like, it's almost a little less authentic because that like, that's such a perfect case scenario. But like, 
like every weekend guy, like when we get to go fishing, it's never that good. It's never that easy. It's never that perfect. So like watching those guys deal with the changing conditions and the struggling, uh, you know, all the aspects that made it tough. Like to me, that's what made that tournament so much fun. And, and it on a handful of tournaments this year, it's been that way. Well, and one thing I'll say about Fork for its defense is that coming into the event, everyone was like, Dean Rojas's record could get broken. We're going to see 30 pound bags and they're all going to come sight fishing. And we almost saw Dean Rojas record get broken, but it was from top water and a swim bait. And it was different. The cold weather that came in and the storms that came in on day two just eliminated the spawning bite that everyone, the best in the world thought was going to happen. And so only a couple of people survived there. And uh, one thing that's really cool is I love seeing those guys adjust and figure out different baits. And at Neely Henry, we got to see every single day someone put something else in their repertoire. We saw a little bit of flipping and a buzz bait come from Gerald Swindle day one. And then day two, he locked in the buzz bait in his hand. And, uh, and then day three, it, it really started to peter out. And he caught a couple on a square bill to salvage his day and stay back in it. And he punched some as well, flipped. And then the final day he mixed in that swim jig. And so he had a plethora. It was like Matt Aries thing, holding up all of his rods and every single angler basically had that, which was really cool because it didn't go to plan. And so it was truly junk fishing and you had to just adapt daily based on water level conditions, fishing pressured water. You got to switch it up each day. And so we had to see that. And before we move on, I wanted to give some love to a guy who deserves love but is basically just, I mean, hopeless for AOI almost in his own opinion and has to start swinging for AOI. And he's had a phenomenal two-year stretch. Brock Mosley sitting in third place right now, got a top 10 at Neely Henry, led one of the days of competition, and he has had a top 10 in seven of the last 13 Elite Series events. I had to look it up and count it just to make sure seven of the last 13 elite series events he's had a top 10 there are great anglers that have i believe five out, of, five out of seven is that correct like if you small or like buckled oh, it alone yeah or yeah this year and fork last year alone yeah and, sorry and, to interrupt it's crazy yeah you should be no um yeah lake fork he got 32nd and st john's river he got 88th or 89th this year those were the two he didn't get a top 10 at and that 88th is gonna 88th or 89th is gonna crush him for aoi because of how good fighter has been this is kind of you can stumble anytime but this is kind of fighters last event that we really expect that maybe he could struggle because we don't expect him to struggle at st lawrence we don't expect him to struggle at champlain we'll have the classic as a reset in the middle of that but Brock Mosley to have seven of the last 13 elite series events in the top 10. And like you said, uh, four of six this year and to be almost, I think he's 60 points out of the AOI lead. That's, I mean, what do you want? What do you want the man to do? Not mess up one time. Like that's what we're having to do is not mess up because fighters been on such a run. So we want to look at AOI and be like, fighter, you're doing fantastic. Walters, you're doing great. Walters missing the cut by one spot at Neely Henry and only weighing in four fish, breaking his limit streak, will possibly be the story of the season going forward because if he slips in and makes the cut, 
just has four more ounces, just has one more fish, makes the day three cut at Neely. He has the opportunity to jump 10 or 12 spots, keep it within a 20 to 30 point region and, and realm, which is very doable in a, in a tournament. It's doable in a day of competition. Fighter could finish 30th in event and Walters finished top 10 and there's your margin he just made up. So the fact that he missed the cut and was locked out of getting points and Fighter was able to finish 11th and or 12th and maximize his points basically without fishing all four days. Our angler of the year race is still alive and well because we saw Josh Strasner on one of his home bodies of water catch one fish for 12 ounces and drop to 81st at Neely Henry and give up his lead in rookie of the year and fall to third. And now he has to trail Brian new. You're sitting here like, man, one bad day on the elites can ruin any trophy hopes you hope to have. Yeah. It's been crazy to see. I mean, like you said, every, it's so volatile. I mean, you really can't take a day off. I mean, you can't, I mean, you really cannot afford it. Um, You know, like you said, going back to Brock Mosley, I mean, you look at his season, and I thought about this today for some reason. The Paul and Nick AOI season, which would have been 2017, am I correct on that, 2017? Um, he, he finished in the 90s in Florida and had a very Brock Mosley-esque finish the rest of the year. So that just basically shows you, like you said, how good of a year fighters had. For him to have a, almost like picture, like I mean, identical year to Paul and Nick's when he won the AOI, if not better – Really, I mean, I don't know the point differential, but like at this point in the season, might be better. And literally to be that far behind, it's like holy cow! Like he has been fighter has been so consistent. I mean, it's it's insane. There's only been one year since we've gone to the hundred point scale on the elite series for the AOI points race and for the tournaments to get a hundred point scale. It's only been one year prior to this. I think that's like a sample size of nine or ten years. One year in the last decade that has had a slightly higher margin from first to second in points than this year. And I think it's by like two points. So this is yeah. definitely by far at this point in the season, one of the biggest runaways in AOI. And so we're going to make our transition over now to Gunnersville fantasy fish and picks. And Kyle, I'm going to let you talk a little bit and give me your bucket a, because I am not doing too hot and raffle a Bassmaster fantasy fishing. I've dropped to 82%. I told you my picks for Neely, we're going to raise me into the 95 percentile or drop me down into the 70s. It didn't drop me down to the 70s, but 82 might as well be the 70s for me. So I'm, I'm hanging tight, but I need some 1200s, a 1300 point tournament to uh, to really jump back in it. Well, luckily for me, I did jump into the ni- mid 90s. I jumped into the 96 point something percentile. So I don't want to toot up, you know, bark up my own tree, but pretty pretty happy with it Sounds like considering how bad my my two of my tournaments have been this year it's i'm very fortunate to even be that high um and, all and right so record, let's start out for the record we have not discussed our picks i have no idea who kyle's is i posted his uh fantasy story link on the facebook page but i didn't read it sorry kyle didn't read your story um but we haven't even discussed <laughs> it so this will be the first time if we have any matching picks it's not twin tuesday over here it is literally yeah just intuition so starting out back to back weeks in bucket a i'm going brandon polnick um and this was even before his james river open win yeah i I picked brandon polnick but then i was thinking about it today i was like man like i like that pick even more because i mean he's just got so much momentum rolling uh barely missed the cut and neely henry and you know my logic is nearly the exact same what was that 
the final day cut. He got 11th. Yeah, not not the yeah, 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 sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. sorry, the top. Yeah, yeah, the top 10 cut. I mean, barely missed the top 10 cut. So um, for the same reason that I picked him at Neely Henry, I'm going to pick him at Guntersville because, like I said, I think this tournament we very well could see people doing not very well. It's like almost in, inevitable. We'll see people fishing shallow, fishing deep, a lot of in between type stuff, submerged grass. There's going to be a lot of stuff going on. With that being said, Paul right. Nick's the kind of guy that I feel like, say what? Floating grass everywhere. Yeah, yeah, literally. It's going to be a little bit of everything. Even even things you don't want to see on, on your starting spot. Like you said, floating eel grass and whatnot. Um, however, uh, Paul Nick, I just like his ability to find something off the wall, something deep, something shallow. I think he could factor in, no matter how the tournament plays out, I think he could find a mixture of shallow and deep. Um, I just like Polnick in this tournament. And it's not necessarily like an overwhelmingly, um, you know, successful history on Gunnersville. He's had some good tournaments, almost, you know, factored in in a classic. I guess it's 2000, the Randy Howe 14. Yeah. Um, classic factored in there. I mean, he's had some success, but like I said, this time of year, I just really think he could, you know, mix in, like I said, shallow and deep and maybe that mid range and, and figure something out. So I'm going Brandon Polnick two weeks in a row. Well, uh, to kind of spin off and segue from your Brandon Polnick, kudos to him for winning the James River Open. I asked him if he's going to move there. I saw some real estate purchases being made. I, I thought some land was bought by him, but I might it might be a different Brandon Polnick. But he has a first, a fifth, two 11th place finishes, and like a 32nd in the five opens that he's fished there. So he's never missed a check in a 200-plus event, a boat event, and he's made the final day cut in four of those. Because 11th place, the opens uh, until this year have been top 12, he has he has basically made the final day every time he's launched there. And what's even more impressive is that he was in Gadsden, Alabama, Monday evening, congratulating Wes Logan, drives to Richmond, Virginia. Him and Tiff get the camper set up. And I don't know if he fished a little bit on Tuesday, but then Wednesday, half a day of practice, goes out, wins the event, drops 22 on the second day and follows it back up. And he's fished. I don't even have to guess where he's at because I've covered him in the same spots, the same regions over and over. And there will be a plethora of anglers at the next James River there. And he will outfish them all again because he just knows that section of the river so well. Kudos to him. I know Idaho is vastly different from Richmond, Virginia, but uh, – He's making it like home, and now he's accomplished a goal, won an elite, won the nation, won an open. He can't win college because he's too old. He, he's not in college. Can't win high school, but he can win the uh, the classic is the last thing to win. He's won AOI as well. So kudos to him. I did not pick Brandon Polinick, and to be honest, a lot of my picks, I'm throwing out any kind of history of Gunnersville because with the eelgrass that has really came into the system, you know, maybe in 20. Uh, 17 eelgrass was starting to pop up in places and they're like yeah I found a little spot had some a high spot had some eelgrass on it that'll be good I can wind a DT6 or a trap through it just fine I mean you ain't gonna be able to wind nothing through it you're gonna have to snatch it through it because it is now all over the lake completely covered up a lot of areas good and bad I think that this will be really great for the lake it's gonna be tough for anglers going forward but if you look at zoom out out of fantasy fishing and wide scope, uh, the um, 
ecosystem. That's what I was going to say, economics. But the ecosystem of Gunnersville changing the way it has may make weights go down because we don't know where to go look in the grass when there's miles and miles of grass. But I think that so much eelgrass allows these fish to hide. And I think we're going to see right. the population explode. We're going to see that size come back where it's not going to be as easy to catch them. And the places that you can catch them aren't going to be as easy to explore because you're going to get your bait hung up in a lot of grass. It's not going to be as efficient. So I think this could be good if they take care of the eelgrass in the next few years and minimize it in some areas, clear it up in some areas, but it'll allow the populations to grow. And so when I think of eelgrass, I think of Buddy Gross. I think of the one of the best, if not the best, eelgrass fisherman in the world. He fishes a little bit of Chickamauga. He won't let you know that there's some there. If you don't know there's any at Chickamauga, Buddy Gross ain't going to tell you there's some there. But there's a few key places there. Pickwick has a few key places. And we know, obviously, even with traumatic flum, uh, flooding, that he can find those eelgrass spots or those hard spots still and, and fish them. So uh, I – I think that Buddy Gross is a dangerous one. And in bucket A, I think he's pretty affordable as well because bucket A is getting to the point in the year where, I mean, you're going to have – Everybody is. Yeah, like, bucket I, a. I mean, everybody's catching them. A lot of guys are going to be in that 8 to 10% range. A couple guys in the 20s. We've got Fighter and Swindle bookending those, um, those high percentage guys. And Buddy Gross, 5%. Uh, I will take that for a guy who knows eelgrass very well. So – uh, he knows Kentucky Lake, Pickwick, Chickamauga probably better than most, but maybe not Gunnersville as much. But I think that he knows eelgrass and will feel comfortable even in those chalked, choked out areas for sure. And they should be, they should be biting. They should be in a good time of the year for them to catch them. So, Buddy Gross, bucket A for me. Brandon Polinick, bucket A for you. Now I'm going to jump into bucket B because we may match up in this one, just knowing your uh, love for this man. Um, but I'm picking John Cruz for bucket B. I feel like, and I'm not picking that because he did so well in the classic in 2020. It was a different time of the year. I think John Cruz was one of the best pre-spawn anglers in the elite series. And that's why we see him really excel early in the year. But uh, for Lake Gunnersville this time of the year, I think that, I think that John Cruz is going to do well, um, whether he decides to fish shallow or deep, maybe if there's some shad spawn still going on, but he's been there enough. He's seen it change so much during the years that uh, I think he'll find his way and be able to do to do something well in bucket B for me. And he's a very good percentage for me, 3%. I like John Cruz. Um, I actually considered that myself. When I went through and made my very first fix, he was back in um, to Matt Airy. Um, and for kind of the same reason, um, a lot of my picks in my head, I like to think they could do both. Um, so I look at Matt Airy and I think back to uh, Ufala last year, you know, was able to mix in in the same tournament fishing, you know, brush piles, fishing deeper, but yet still was able to run up to the bank, throw a frog, catch a big and um, kind of mix it in. Also, Matt Airy had a pretty brutal start to the season. He's made three cuts in a row, um, obviously just getting off of a top 10 at Neely Henry. Um, something I had mentioned is I hope he keeps that big spook tight on and uh, brings it to Gunnersville and somehow finds a way to catch some big largemouth doing that. Um, I just like my area. And obviously, if you think back to the 2019 Elite Series tournament, he obviously factored in fishing deep there. 
Um, you know, another guy that, like you said, if you've been around enough, you can't get away from like Gunnersville. I mean, you've had to have fished it a lot. And, uh, you know, for me, Matt Airy in bucket B, um, I was even thinking about if he was in bucket A, I was going to pick him. So luckily he's in bucket B for me. And uh, that's what I'm going with. It's 6.6%. I'll take it. Um, also, something we didn't talk about in bucket A, and we'll talk about this really, really quick because I know we're not trying not to drag this one out too long. This could be the time that Gerald Swindle does it. I don't know why. I've just got a feeling that Gerald Swindle, this might be the time that he's going to do it. At least, like, go back to, you know, like, it's been so unusual last year seeing him have a, such a struggle finish at, at Gunnersville. Um, I don't, you know, I mean, it's so hard to predict a winner. But at the same point, I don't know why. I just feel like people have almost jumped off of the G-Man bandwagon at Gunnersville just because it's like, oh, like, you, you know, it's just too much pressure for him or whatever. I don't know why, but just being an in-between time, I think this could really, really play into his hands, uh, being able to fish the way he would if he was just out there fun fishing, you know, not being pressured by doing this, that, and the other. And obviously when we were there last time, it was just tough as it was. It doesn't matter if you're the local or not. Um, but anyways, nonetheless, I just wanted to throw that out there because I've been thinking that. I think this might be the time that we see him shine through finally at Gunnersville. The fishing world would love to see that, and they were rooting for that at Neely Henry. And I think that – we're talking ourselves into that a little bit more now because Wes Logan just won on his home lake. Uh, Lee Livesey just did. Maybe Gerald Swindle can do it. We had Bill Lowen do something that we wanted to see him do for a long time. You got Gussie winning, Brian New jumping on the scene and proving that he is definitely a veteran. You know, so many different winners um, this year that I think that, you know, you know, we see Christy going extremes up at the Sabine. We've seen a lot of different things happen. And, uh, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be shocked, but man, Gunnersville's just too known to have a local advantage on it. You know what I'm saying? Like it's everybody, even if you're a first year elite pro, like Randy Pearson. Let's just say Randy Pearson. He's not the first year elite pro. He's from California, though. He knew he doesn't. He's never heard of Neely Henry in his life, probably. And then we had the opens there last year, and then we had the elite, so he's heard it now. But he probably is. He, he knows Gunnersville. He's heard of Gunnersville. Some of these guys that come from far places away that have never fished it know of Gunnersville. So if you're anywhere in tournament fishing, you fished it, and your local advantage really goes away unless it's spot-oriented. And if your spot's a bridge, you're just SOL because, I mean, everybody fishes bridges. But I think, I think it's going to be – it's hard to win at home sometimes. And so I would love to see it uh, – so would everyone else because he's picked 23% in bucket A. Uh, he they would love it, you know. Yeah, like that's the recency bias a little bit there. But when we look at bucket B, uh, we've got some high percentage guys as well. Steve Kennedy, 21%, and uh, and then second place percentage wise, Stetson Blaylock, 12%. And then we have Brian New and Scott Martin at 10% each in bucket B. So there's kind of two guys that are high percentages in each bucket so far. And then the rest are just, you know, normal percentages. So it's not too much of a gamble. Sure. Uh, Steve Kennedy is always a gamble to me. I, I like, he's on my, he's on my do not pick list. My do not resuscitate in fashion <laughs> list. I'm, I'm going to let that, I'm going to let that horse do its thing over there. Um, but he's the highest picked guy there. I think people would love to see him win again as well, even though it hasn't been that long. Um, that's what I love. Somebody was like, I I'm so glad Polinick won again. 
like he hadn't like he didn't win two elites last year or something. You know, I'm like he won two elites in the last year. <laughs> And, and it's been so long since Polonik has won. He just forgot to blink. And you he's, been struggling so, he's been struggling so bad this year. <laughs> I mean, he had a break. But uh, I'm going to go on to bucket C because I'll let you pick bucket A. Uh, I pick bucket B. I'll pick bucket C, and then you go back. So I'm picking somebody I have never picked in fantasy fishing before. I'm picking Ed Lochran. Uh I think that he is – been very solid. I was not sure about his first year. He's a little shaky. He's a little older. He's a lawyer. He's got other irons in the fire. And I really wasn't sure how he was going to do on the elites. And he's really, really gotten his footing. And I've been super impressed with how good he has done and what, what, you know, bodies of water he's really excelled at knowing that he's comes from the James river and that kind of fishing that he's excelled other places and uh, I mean, obviously, he is the smartest angler in the Elite Series field, knowing he's a lawyer. But, I mean, or he's the wiliest, one of the two. But Ed Lockeren knows grass, knows different types of grass. Uh, Gunnersville may not be a place that he is fond of. Who knows? But I think this will be a place that I take a gamble at because some of the other guys in there, you got Jamie Hartman, a really high percentage. That spot that he caught him on, I mean. <laughs> It's a shoot, dude. That's not like he was doing something no one knew about. That place is going to get a lot of eyes and attention this week. It's going to be totally different with the way the grass grew back probably and the type of grass that is there. I personally got to spend some time with Seth Fighter in the boat in close to that region in the Classic when there was no grass and it was just starting to grow and different places on that bar, that, that Miracle Mile region. Um factored always no matter what time of the year it is different places will factor on it so i don't think he's going to have it to himself um clark winlet's a high percentage pick there 12 percent. that's not really high but it's the second highest and then keith combs 10 percent. i i really don't know i i love him but i don't know if i can trust keith combs i don't know when he's going to catch him or how he's going to catch him i don't know unless it's a texas lake on a chartreuse and and blue back, you know, plug. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know about him. Um, so Ed Locker and it's been a weird. Oh, go ahead. I I, I like your pick also. No, go ahead. Ed Locker is going to be my pick. I'm gonna lock him in there for bucket C. Really low percentage point four, but I really like what he's done with his career over the last few years. Getting his footing uh, after after his first year was kind of everybody gets punched in the mouth at different times. Jake Winters even punched in the mouth this year. Different things, and everyone has to deal with that um, at a certain point. Yeah, I think that's a really solid pick. Um, also being the fact that I think he's a really underrated guy. I think if you looked at his last season, I mean, he's been rock solid. Obviously made the classic. Um, so, I went – also, okay. Say what? Tell me about Combs. You were saying something about Combs. I was just it, – it, it's just been weird to see. It really has been. And I, I love Keith Combs. I think everybody does. Uh, it has been odd, though, because, you know, the year before we had the switch up um, – and the years pre- previously, I mean, he was like contention for AOI for, you know, several years. I mean, top tens. Um, and, yeah, it, it just seems like he's kind of in a rut. It's not that he's just struggling bad. It's not like he's not making some checks and, you know, doing this and that. But it's like it's definitely been odd to see. And it was good to see him win at, uh, you know, Rayburn the other day. Maybe that kind of gets something going. And, you know, I, I can I can understand 10% in the sense that um, – naturally it goes without being said i mean he's one of the best offshore fishermen there is so 
if he finds some fish to uh, catch offshore, he's going to catch them. Um, so of you were saying something about how many pounds of eelgrass is he going to catch in practice on his on his six XD? I mean, how much is he going to catch? I, I think he's going to catch a thousand pounds worth of eelgrass in different spots on the lake. I mean, I, I think that if he just if he just winds that plug, he's going to uh, dredge up so much grass that we're just going to send it all to Wheeler. Like it's going to go through the dam to Wheeler. I just don't know because I so you and I have both fished Gunnersville here of fairly recent. I mean, recent more recent than any other lake on the elites so far. Um, but I don't know. I just don't know that the whole lake looks like that, but I definitely know what you mean. I think it's going to be weird. It seems weird every time I've been out there, but you know, I don't know. It may not be fair for us to say that because maybe now it's not as bad, but the times I've been out there, it's been almost like frustrating how much eelgrass is floating around. But anyways, I've never seen a lake have so much eelgrass at the end of March. That is like when stuff's starting to grow. And I was like, this sucker is... I mean, I'm in 10 feet and it's coming up to four. I'm like, oh my gosh. Like John Cruz made the perfect post. He tweeted today. He said, you think we could get an initiative going where we could transplant some eelgrass from Gunnersville back to the St. John's river because it needs it desperately and Gunnersville's hogging it all. Yeah, no kidding. That's actually a good point. Um, with that being said, I am going Clark Wendell in uh, bucket C. Um, just kind of one of those things. I think, goes back to exactly what we were saying earlier. Um, everybody's almost kind of a local at Gunnersville if you've been fishing professionally for a while just because you fish so many events. If you just had to guess, I mean, and there's no statistical, you know, way to prove this right this second because of how long Clark Wendell's career has gone. But how many tournaments do you think Clark Wendell's fished on Gunnersville? I mean, he's fished, he's fished more tournaments on Gunnersville than locals have probably fished the lake. I mean, like, you know, like, I mean, within reason, of course, not like everyday fishermen, but like, I mean, it, it's insane. At least. Oh, I mean, yeah. So, I mean, my thing is like, I just think that somebody that has that much experience on the lake that's not quoted as a local, um, also like Matt Airy has had a tough season, um, got a good finish there at Neely Henry, I think 14th or somewhere in the teens. Um, I like him to carry on his momentum. It's been unusual to see him struggle as bad as he has some of this season based on how rock solid he was last year. Um, I think he's going to take, take that momentum and run into Gunnersville. I like him a um, little bit higher percentage, but you know, at 12%, I'll take that. Um, I just like him to, you know, be able to definitely, you know, a really good offshore fisherman, but at the same point, like I said, he can easily factor in shallow too, which like I said, most all of my picks have been with that train of thought, you know, in mind, but yeah, that's where I'm going in bucket C. Give me bucket D real quick. Let's do it. Um, let's see. Oh, got got our boy Justin Atkins. I'm going Justin Atkins in 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 D. And once again, fairly high percentage, not relative to some of the other guys. Eleven point six. Um, another one that we, you know, I, I was thinking about this when I picked him. It's been super unusual to see him have such a tough season. Um, you know, in a season that you thought would have set up really, really well for him. Um, obviously, has had some high points, has had some good events, also had some bad ones. Um, I think Justin Atkins being a Tennessee River guy, um, also having some tournament success on um, Gunnersville. And then I actually, this was way, way before, I've made this pick way before I saw this, but I was just creeping around on Facebook earlier and saw he shared a post 
from his Mississippi State College days where him and his partner won a big derb on Gunnersville at X amount of years, two days. So I was like, hey, I like that pick even more. Um, I don't know. I just like him to, to you know, kind of get things rolling here. I don't really know what it's going to be like for him up north, uh, being that, you know, a lot of his career hasn't, you know, had like major northern swings. Um, with that being said, I like Justin Atkins back on the Tennessee River, much, much less pressure than he was having it, you know, had at Pickwick, um, kind of flying to the radar a little bit. I think Justin Atkins, really, really good chance he makes the top 10 here. I really like a top 10 from Justin Atkins. Nice. I appreciate that pick. And I'll, I'll go ahead and. And why is that your pick? <laughs> no, that's not my pick. I just I could see it. You, you just sometimes you don't need a reason. You just know these guys are gonna catch them because they cannot go this long without catching them. Um, right. Yeah. Shocking. You know, I even thinking about this today. Uh, in bucket D, you look scroll down the list and you see some names that you don't normally see there. You see a Scott Canterbury. You see a a Micah Frame. You see a Paul Mueller, you see Jason Williamson, Chris Zaldane, Jake Whitaker. Like these guys are going to have to catch them. They're going to get on their horse if they want to make the classic. I I think I mentioned that in my story actually about Bucket D is like how many faces are in Bucket D that you would never expect to see there at this point in the season. Um, Which, like you said, is just crazy because you know there's a lot of initiative, a lot of, you know, a lot of reason for these guys to got to catch them now. A lot of urgency, and and I was thinking about it. I didn't tell Whitaker this, but I was going to give him my weekly phone call and just chit-chat and say, hey, just so you know, if you do manage to come back from your random checking in late and finishing 91st at Pickwick and you come back to make the Classic, you will have to do so on Gunnersville, which has had your number, and the Northern Swing, which has had your number, and you've normally done your work and you could just survive those near the end of the year – this year, those are going to be the ones that get you in the classic if it happens. And so, some of these boys are going to have to get with it. And, you know, I mean, it's hard to really project who's going to do it. And so, I, I think Jason Williamson, I think Jason Williamson's going to um, figure out something. You know, I don't know if it's going to be shallow, I don't know if it's going to be deep, but I think Jason Williamson's going to be one that. You can pick in this bucket has more experience on Gunnersville in elite series competition than anyone else in this bucket. And um, I think being the longest tenured in the bucket other than Bernie Schultz. And I know I'm not going off history, but it's not going off history. It's going off time on the water there and seeing it change. Not he caught him in 2018 to 2017, 2019, and he's going to go back to those same spots and the wishing well is going to provide again. It's more so knowing how to get around the place, knowing what creeks look like, uh, when to go this place, that place. I think that Williamson could be one that, that catches them this week in bucket D. And, you know, honestly, I got to make up some points too. There's three events left and I got to get back in the classic hunt, so to say. And so 0.5%, I need to ride some of these lower percent. <laughs> Yeah, and try to get some points back um, for Bucket D. So I'm going with Williamson in that aspect of it. And then as we jump into Bucket E, I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's the same dang thing as Neely Henry. So hard to pick somebody in Bucket E because a, a lot of these guys have been there all season. And Bucket E kept me from winning a lot of uh, a lot of different uh, things last week. 
<laughs> because all of my picks were in the top 17 of my bucket A through D, except my bucket E pick. <laughs> A lot of the time, so, that's the case. Your bucket E should be your worst pick because on paper, those have been the anglers that have struggled more than everyone else. The likelihood of them getting a higher percentage finish is much lower based on their season this year, not their skill set overall. Um, we get to this bucket. And I always expect this clip to go viral on social media, me calling these guys trash or something, but that's not the case. It's just right. when it's, it's a needle in the haystack on picking the right guy that's going to have his breakout event that year and what his breakout is going to be. Is it going to be 50th? for his best finish of the year, or is he going to get a top 20? Or is it going to be like the rest of his season and finish in the 70s? I picked an angler, Rob Dot, Neely Henry, and, you know, 70-something place finish. Just on par with the season, just can't get out of that rut for some of these anglers. And so uh, I'm picking a guy who fishes around grass quite a bit um, and really just – I can't bullcrap you. I don't fish around grass. I don't, I don't really know. (laughs) He doesn't have great finishes necessarily here for me to pick him, but I'm picking Kyle Monty because I, I'm picking Kyle Monty 2%. (laughs) Uh, I I don't know. God, I hate this. I hate this because it's so tough. I mean, if Garrett Paquette fishing way below what he's expected to fish, Bill Widler jumps up, wins an event last year. Is that the Bill Widler we should come to expect, or is the rest of his season last year more so who he is? Brett Pruitt, did he peak in college? Rick Morris, longtime veteran, does this set up for his style? Shane Lineberger, seemingly has something go wrong every event. Robbie Latuso from Louisiana, knows grass fishing. I, I really don't know much more about his style of fishing. Kelly J. In the state of Alabama, loves throwing a jerk bait. Not the time of the year for him. Maybe he picks up that rogue and does something. Maybe he gets a million acres of eelgrass connected to it. I don't know. <laughs> Harvey Horn, Mike Huff, Cody Holland, Dale Hightower, Chris Grow. Something's going on with Chris Grow. I can't figure it out. Daryl Gleason. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna have Rowdy, you know, poop on his shoe and get him in order because Daryl's not performing like I thought he would this season. David Fritz. We mentioned Rob Dye already. Destin Demarion spent a long time in the opens to make the elites does make the elites. And then it's a, it's a learning curve, but you don't have much time in the elites to have that learning curve. Otherwise you find yourself low in the points race. And like I mentioned, uh, Fritz and Clun, no rhyme or reason when they catch them. I'm not quite sure how to pattern when they have their best finish, you know, or when they excel. I mean, uh, Fritz did pretty solid. Um, he's done pretty solid a couple times this year, but he has some also a really low floor at times. So yeah, I'm on yeah. and I don't even have a hook to hang my hat on. I have no idea. You know, I'm just not going to do it. So I'm the same way and I struggle with the same thing. And Neely Henry, I don't know how many times I look through bucket E thinking there's gotta be somebody that like, I think is like going to outshine the rest and you just couldn't you do it. I mean, you just couldn't like make sense of it. And like you said, it goes back to almost like a more being a dead horse here. It has nothing to do with their ability. These are all amazing fishermen. But like you said, you get to this point in the season and it's like clear that you're that low in the points. Like you're just in a rut. Like something's like it, things have just not gone well for you in the season total. So <clears throat> it's really hard to make a judgment call based on that. 
you know, you know, knowing what you know to the entire season, and you got to make a judgment call based on a lot of guys that have struggled. I mean, it really, really is tough. Um, however, you know, it, it keeps me up awake, awake at night trying to figure out bucket E because it's not like they're all going to finish bottom 20 in the tournament. You know, somebody's going to have a good event and it's not saying that can't have a good event. Someone's going to have a good event, but it's our job to pick which one of those anglers is going to have their good event. And I don't know. I haven't figured that out yet. I can't predict bucket E, which means it's very competitive for points for fantasy fishing. When we're looking at it through the scope of fantasy fishing, it's very competitive if you make, make a decision, you just jump up huge. If you make the wrong decision, you blend in with the rest. And we're not trying to blend in with the rest. We're trying to make the right decision. And you know, you, so I'm I'm just rotating a guy every event because I just have not figured out which angler maybe has had a come to Jesus meeting, you know, with himself in the mirror on his long drive and said, "I'm switching up my 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 efforts and I'm going for the wins. I'm going for the top ten. And if they connect." then they will have a great finish and people will be like, why didn't you pick them? And it's like, I didn't know they were coming to Jesus in their car when they were heading to Gunnersville. I didn't know, you know? So that's just another way to clarify it. It's not that they're so inept. It's that it's so competitive for points in fantasy fishing. It's hard to make the right decision picking that dude. So I covered this guy at Lake Fork and his exact words were, man, I hate fishing shallow. Who was I talking to? I'm going to get it. Man, I hate fishing shallow. Garrett Paquette. I figured. No. Daryl Gleason. Daryl Gleason. Gleason. So I covered him on day one. Um, he obviously had a really good day one at Fork. Should have covered uh, sight fishing. <laughs> yeah. So somebody, I, I would almost, I would almost want to have this conversation with Daryl Gleason, but it's almost like this year, like you said, it's been weird because you expect him to do so well in some of these events. And, you know, like I said, at fork, I uh, was in the top 15, top 20, you know, after day one um, has had some events where you think he would factor really well. Um, and that's not been the case. It's like one cut of the season has been in Florida, which I don't, I don't know. It just it came <laughs> Is an, a little unexpected to me. I don't know if it's his only cup, but the one that comes to mind first for me was in St. John's. Uh, however, he is very good structure fishing, very good offshore fisherman. Um, I, like I said, I picked him at Lake Fork. He did really well for the first day. And however, the second day did not do so well. But for Daryl Gleason, if he's watching this, fat chance at this point, but um, – it's like almost he just needs to believe in himself because like he's proven it at every step of the way that he can do it. And it's like almost like he's gotten here and he doesn't believe it or something. It's, it's a weird feeling every time I talk to him or I'm around him, but like you just got to have that, that dog mentality. And I think he's got it. I just, I just think he needs to let it loose and he's going to let it loose at Gunnersville, and it's going to happen. Well, and what we need to do if, if, Everyone in Buckety is watching this right now. No one is wanting you to go bust a bag every day of competition. You need to show yourself consistency, whether it's going out and catching 12 pounds two days in a row or catching, you know, 14 pounds two days in a row. Once you do that and you can stack two, like you said, 
has a big bag, struggles next day, has a good bag, struggles next day, struggles two days in a row. If you can stack a consistent day uh, back to back, then you can stack a third consistent day or you can stack four and you have a whole event or you can then start to feel with, I got my consistent bag and I did it by nine o'clock. I'm going to go swing for a big bag and it connects. I just feel like a lot of these guys are like, I got to go catch a bag and I got to make up my whole season of faults in this one day. And that's not how you do it on the elites. You've got to stack a consistent day back to back, make a cut and then go free ball in the next day. And then the next tournament you stack two consistent days and get out of there or get your check and learn about how just that instinct will come back to you. You'll, you'll pull into a pocket and catch one and be like, I hadn't even seen that pocket before, but it looked good when I was driving by and it starts to come back to you. But when you were stressing and you got three in the well by nine o'clock and you're like, man, today's the day I could catch a big bag and you go swing it for two more and you only come into the way in with those three still, you didn't do what, you know, you, you started to shoot too high. Not that you need to aim low, but you got to get five. Then you got to do five again. And then you got to get five and a big one. And it's one of those things too. Like, um, you know, thinking about that Gleason fork tournament, you know, every day is a new day, you know, and I think what killed him is, is that first day watching him sight fish. He had a lot of fish marked, just like a lot of guys did caught a lot of them did well. Um, and he made the comment to me as he was island out. He's like, the bad news is like, I I'm out of fish. And that's like kind of how he, you know, it just like, that was his mentality before the second day even started. And it's, you know, that weather came in the second day. It's like, you just kind of have to treat every day differently. And every day is a new day. Um, and that's a cliche thing to say, but I mean, it's the reality of it. Like no two days of fishing are going to be the exact same. Um, you know, whether it be a bait change, whether it be, you know, whatever it is, but it's like, you know, like you said, the consistency factor is the thing that like will put you to that next level. And that's a really easy thing to say and a hard thing to do. Um, but nonetheless, yeah, that's, that's my fantasy squad. I guess that's yours too. That's my too. Uh, at this point in the video, I'm just going to run them down. Uh, Buddy Gross, John Cruz, Ed Lochran, Jason Williamson, Kyle Monty. That's my five. My five would be Brandon Polnick, Matt Airy, Clark Winlet, Justin Atkins, and Daryl Gleason. I like it. I like it. Um, I got 84-10 for four days. 80, how, how much you say? 84-10. I had 82-10. Nice. So it's going to be 900. So we're <laughs> So, uh, <laughs> so I'm, drain the league squad. We got it. Yes. Okay. Right. Instead of hyper history, I wrote my drain the lake squad, my eight person drain the lake team, which I'm doing very well at very confident in that. And uh, this is the event I probably get screwed over, but I think I've picked my eight guys and I've strat strategically left out 24 anglers or 30 anglers that I can pick 24 from for the classic. So classic, uh, Champlain and St. Lawrence. So my drain the lake squad, uh, I'll give you a taste of the first four. There's my G Ville, my first four G man, Gerald Swindle picking him for drain the lake. I really don't know about St. Lawrence Champlain and he did not make the classic. So I'm going with G here. We got KYTP. Do you know what that means? Uh, 
We got, uh, no, I was going to say something stupid, but no. We got the Kentucky Trailer Park, baby. KYTP picking Matt Robertson, <laughs> Tennessee River. Uh, he's on the other end of it, but I think that this could be his um, kind of wheelhouse time of year and sure. his comfort level with Bates. Justin Hamner, um, he's a Tuscaloosa boy, maybe not a bunch of experience in Alabama, I mean, uh, at Gunnersville, but probably more than he had at Neely. Um, everybody wanted to classify him as a Coosa River guy, but that is not the case in Tuscaloosa. Um, and then Keith Combs, I'll pick him and drain the lake because he didn't make the classic and you got to suck up North at one point. And I mean, he's always doing well at the St. Lawrence river. And like, I just don't want to bet on that and count on history there. So I think that he'll, he'll do good enough for my drain the lake to qualify for my one and done pick. Um, Give me four of yours, and then I'll I'll show you the rest of mine. So I shared G-Man with you. I got Gerald Swindle. Uh, I got Frank Talley. Um, you know, different times of the year, we've already discussed that. But, I mean, it's just comfort level with the, like, Justin Atkins and Jason Christie. I believe you used Jason Christie last tournament. Did you not? No, I think I still have Jason Christie saved. I haven't used Jason Christie at all. I've used Greg Hagen, like John Cox. Um, I haven't used Jason. And I kind of was a little superstitious on picking him after he gets a top 10. Do I think he's going to get another top 10? I don't know. I think I'm saving him for one of the events coming up that I got to be sneaky with. Well, there's only two more you can pick him for. So it's one of the two. <laughs> um, so yeah, there's, there's my, there's my uh, G tally, Christie and Atkins, Justin Atkins. Okay. You picked Atkins again. My second four. I got Iron Man, Bob Downey, Bob Downey, Robert Downey Jr. over here. We got Robert Downey, Iron Man. I got Mr. Rick Clunt. I didn't think I'd pick him for Drain the Lake, but I think uh, I think this could be a good time to pick him. Uh, Hansel's so hot. That's with that little, like, flower-looking thing. It's a flame. So I'm going with me some Ray Hanselman. And then Marky Mark, but Mark with a C, Mark Frazier. So my eight. Got Gerald, Maddie Robertson, Justin Hamner, Keith Combs, and then I got Bob Downey, Rick Clun, Ray Hanselman, Mark Frazier. So to, to fill out my uh, fantasy or my Drain the Lake squad, we got Hank Cherry, and that's not just because of the classic. He naturally has done well there every time. Um, that's one thing. Like I think a lot of people would would see that he won the classic there and just be like. Boom, it's a no-brainer, but like he just like does really well at Gunnersville. Um, Matt Airy, I double up with Matt Airy. I'm I double up with some of my picks on Drain the Lake versus fantasy fishing more than you do. Hey, um KJ Queen. If you got the confidence to pick him in the five-man league, same reasons you can pick him in the eight-man league. I just gotta save five, you know? this is something you and I have talked about. Like it's like I look at these tournaments. And like with Drain the Lake, and you have to basically pick an angler at his best chance to win that tournament because winning is so important. Obviously, we'll, you know, I think you're the same way. Throw a couple wild cards in there just because you kind of feel like you have to spread them out a little bit. Uh, KJ Queen would be one of my wild cards for this tournament. Um, obviously, Bethel Boy, um, Kentucky Lake, kind of the same principle with Matt Robertson. I think that he could factor in for sure. And then uh, I had Scott Martin, but I'm going to save him for Champlain. Um, and I'm going to go Brandon. You can't say that. 
saving him for Champlain. I'm saving him for one of the last two tournaments. Take a guess. Probably the one that he's had most success on. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm going to go Brandon Card. Brandon Card's a really good structure fisherman, somebody that uh, almost always factors in when there's an offshore bite. I think he'll find that. And uh, he's going to round out my Drain the Lake squad. See, I don't double up as much as you because I need 13 ways to be right. Whether it's one bash track, two pounder that pops up, and I'm like, fantasy team, baby. Give me some give me some glory. Feeling good. That That's what I get through Bassmaster Live sometimes when I'm like, I just peek up my interest. Somebody caught one. Let's go, my team. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. I'm I, I'm just like you said. Like I I, I try to pick um, guys that I really think could win, and like that's why I would pick Swindle, like because I really think this might be his time. But also at the same point, I'm not going to pick him fancy fishing just because of the percentages. Um, I do not like the percentage in Bucket A. Uh, but with that being said, I, I could I could easily see him pulling it off. There's a lot of guys in that in my team that I feel like could pull it off. There's yeah. definitely some guys that I think could pull it off that I'm saving. Um, but you know, this one we're gonna we're gonna roll a dice. I think so, that yeah. G and Combs were two anglers that I looked at, and and I think actually a Ray Hanselman. Those three anglers that I picked for Drain the Lake are the ones that I think that could get a, a victory. Um, and they could do it different ways. I could see Combs doing it with a plug, I could see Hanselman doing it with a plug or a swim bait, and I could see Swindle winning with a buzz bait. Um, or flipping a jig um, so because about the only place the eelgrass isn't thick as crap is around the dock so I think that maybe he could flip something and not get not get a uh, that and I and I'm probably you know fat shaming Gunnersville. I'm eelgrass shaming Gunnersville right now with how much there is but I was thoroughly shocked with with I mean I'm cool with it because I could throw a chatterbait all day long but if they're not biting a chatterbait I'm like you can basically I can throw that I can't that's not going to get hung up you could basically close your eyes to a 360 around the boat and, throw, and you'd be yeah. throwing over some aircraft somewhere. I'm looking at my 360. I don't even have 360, but I'm, lo- I'm looking at my 360 for that blade of grass that's just a little taller than all the rest. <laughs> oh. Yeah, it, it's pretty heavy, but it'll be it'll make things interesting. That alone, and you and I have talked about this for, for months now, about this tournament, how it's going to be so unique with the grass. And like – if this was in March or, you know, pre-spawn, it would be so obvious to know what guys would be doing. But, like, I think it'll be so, so many different varieties um, that I, I think that's what will make this tournament really interesting to see. I think guys will catch them in, you know, a foot or inches of water to 20 foot of water. I mean, it'll be kind of all over the map. Which we're getting – we got dumped on today with rain in Arkansas, and we're going to get dumped on tomorrow and Wednesday, I think, and – Lake Charles in Louisiana is getting dumped on press to those folks. And so I looked at the weather and was like, Oh, we're going to get a, we're going to get a, a soaker monsoon. At Gunnersville. Ain't a speck of rain on the forecast, hardly less than less than 12%, like, you know, tournament days. And so it's going to be like 60 to 80, 60 to 80, 60 to 80. And I think that those, uh, those warm mornings, you know, that's warm evenings, that shad spawn could really be a thing early if someone can find it. And, um, and so we will see how Gunnersville plays out. And those are our fantasy teams. We went through them, drain the lake and Rapala. I am dead tired. Got a little tan this weekend doing some yard work, you know, 
trying to get that tan going. You look red from the Smith Lake event and uh, maybe, I don't know, not red, maybe tan. Sorry, Kyle, you're, you're looking tan. Definitely got some, got some sun. That's what everybody told me in the office today. Oh, you got some sun this weekend. How many yeah. times you heard that in life? Oh, exactly. <laughs> what I loved was coming into TV shoots with sunglass tan and the lady had to match my my raccoon eyes with uh with my rest of my skin. I always loved that. I kind of got I kind of got a little bit Oh, I'm pointing at the wrong side. I kind of got a little line starting to form. So yeah. Gunnersville, the seventh stop of the 2021 Bassmaster Elite Series season. We have nine total, 10 in including the classic, so three events left for June and July combined. Kyle, Jesse, any last words? Otherwise, we're going to sign this one off. I'm excited, uh, just like we have been for every single tournament. I think this one will, will be unique in its own ways, and I'm excited to, to watch it go down. And if you're watching this, John Cox is fishing Gunnersville this week. Just a heads up. I know there's like 47 events going on, like every week. He is fishing Gunnersville. So if you pick him and you're watching an hour and 15 minutes into this video, he is available. Pick him if you want. I could see him doing well. He actually has practice. He didn't have any practice yeah. for Neely Henry. He actually has practice, so this could be a good event. Um, but I'm not picking John Cox ever if he has no practice because it has not worked for him when he's going <laughs> to fish the other league, when he's going to fish the elites. It's just not working. So give John Cox a little bit of prep, and he'll do just fine. But otherwise, peace out. Peace out. Signing off. Um, cast a podcast. Gunnersville preview. A little bit of Neely recap. A little longer than our other episodes, but we had to talk about four different things, and uh, I think we had some good conversations. So, Kyle, appreciate it. I will see you on the water there, and we will do some Bassmaster Live four days of that. You can catch some on the weekend, Saturday and Sunday on Fox Sports 1. Otherwise, we'll be on Bassmaster.com throughout the entire time. Peace. <laughs>